Hello, racing fans. This is Edison Hatter back with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. This is an episode for this coming Friday's race as it would by Mohawk. It seems like the summer has just flown by. We are already into the fall, and this will be Friday, October the 1st, 2021. To help me discuss the races today, I'm glad to be joined by Mike Probosi from Nahu Pick. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Edison. Glad to be here. So, Mike, we got a good full show here today. We're going to start, obviously, by talking a little about you and your background. Then we've got some big action to recap from last Saturday Wood by Mohawk with that Mohawk Million card. And then, of course, we'll talk about this upcoming Friday's program. But uh, first things first, Mike, um, you were one of the founding partners for Nahu Picks. Um, so tell us a little bit about Nahu Picks and promote it a little bit, of course, for fans that might want to check out uh, your website. Yeah, so Nahu Picks uh, was started by uh, three guys. <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, almost four years ago now. It was Ray Cotolo, Rod Allums Jr., and myself. And uh, we have racetracks from all over Canada and the United States. Uh, it's mostly horse players making the picks. Usually it's Ray, myself. Uh, we have a few other guys that do it. Uh, Matrix Dave sometimes helps. Uh, we do tracks, Rosecroft, Running Aces, Woodbine, Meadowlands, The Meadows. Uh, Jeff Zidick does picks for those. We just have all kind of racetracks for harness racing, basically seven days a week. Yeah, I know you guys do great work for us at Rosecroft. We always enjoy seeing those picks on our simulcast feed, along with uh, the Harness Racing Symposium 101 and our Trackman picks. Um, and of course, it was an honor to meet um, Ray and Rod a couple years ago when they helped us out on our uh, Potomac Pace Night broadcast. Unfortunately, Mike, I know you said you were busy, weren't able to join us then. But um, uh, give the link for the website for fans that want to join, just uh, nahupicks.com, correct? It is nahupicks.com, and uh, it's it's pretty self-explanatory when you you know you go on there. Uh, we have links to all the different racetracks, and they're updated daily. So, Mike, as part of Nahu Picks, um, your picks make it on to the Woodby Mohawk feed, and you said it's been about three years now. So talk a little bit about um, working specifically with Woodby Mohawk and their product. Yeah, so I have a good relationship with uh, the producer up there, Luke Van Belkham. Uh, he... he uh, Basically likes the website, liked uh, the concept of uh, North American Harness Update and helped us do some shows on the road and things. And and uh, he liked the picks, decided to use them on the feed. Uh, I was able to do, you know, some live videos and things for Pick Force for them. Uh, they actually had us up to do a couple shows up at Woodbine for Breeders' Crown. And we have a great relationship with them. They, they're very, uh, very much promoting our site, you know, every every race card. So it's it's been a very good relationship. So, Mike, in addition to Nahu Picks, um, you also have a little bit of other stake in the harness racing industry on the ownership side. So talk a little bit about your time as an owner. Yeah, so I got into owning, uh, I guess it's been, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. And uh, initially it was my brother and I, and then uh, we started a few uh, fractional partnership type deals. And I've probably owned uh, close to pieces of 20 horses now. Uh, very good relationship with uh, one of the trainers at the Meadows, Tim Twaddle. He he was great to us, and and I still have a very good relationship with him. And and Rod, we've had some horses with him also. He He's back uh, training again and, and doing some things with horses, uh, him and Jamie. Jamie is his uh, his girlfriend. They they have, I think, about 15 horses right now that they work with. So, you know, he, he does you know, some things there. Uh, I'm just wrapped up in it everywhere. Harness racing every day. So Mike, you mentioned uh, you had a trainer at the Meadows. So talk a little bit, how many, um, I'm assuming then you've obviously been to the Meadows possibly. So how many tracks would you say you've been to uh, and some of your favorites? Oh, 
many. Actually, I just went to three this weekend, uh, two that I hadn't been to. I went to Philly Park, the Meadowlands, and Belmont this weekend. As far as harness tracks, almost everywhere on the East Coast, uh, Meadowlands, Meadows, many, many times. That's my home track. It's about two hours from my house. Uh, Ocean Downs, Pompano. I got to spend some time with Gabe down there. That was a, a fun trip. All over the place. You name it, I've pretty much been there. Vernon, Tioga. I, I love Mohawk, though. That's that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I've not been yet to Mohawk, and you know, I've not yet been to Pompano. I keep telling Gabe, and I continue to say it on the show, but for certain, guaranteed, I'll be making an appearance down there this year, obviously, um, for sure. And in fact, they're, they're just about four weeks away here from starting their season. But uh, yeah, Mike, uh, a problem here. I saw it on social media. You were at the Meadowlands this past weekend. And you didn't even come up to the roof to say hi to me. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to make it up there. You know, they had all everything blocked off. The escalators blocked off. We tried to go up the elevator. They they deterred us from that. I was coming all over the place trying to find you, and I could not get up there. So it was just a crazy. I don't know. It was crazy that night. Oh, well, I, I certainly, uh, uh, sorry for that, but yeah, message me next time and for sure we'll get you up there and hopefully we can meet in person sometime. Uh, but at least, um, if you did get a chance, I'm assuming, I believe it was Saturday you were there, correct? I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you get a chance to check out some of the, uh, burgers? We had a uh, battle of the best, or no, sorry, this past weekend was chili, right? Uh, chili it cook-off. Was, it was chili. Yeah. So we were down at the chili cook-off. They had a ton of people. There was like 30 different chilies down there. I thought that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that. Well, unfortunately, all of us in the press box just kind of had to look down on it. So uh, I guess that's an open call to you or any listener out there. You know, next time, feel free to bring us up some chili up in the press box. We'll, we'll happily judge and test and uh, sample some of them They as didn't well. ask you guys. They should have asked you guys to judge. <laughs> I believe our one TV producer, um, I believe, was a judge. And I, I think he was telling us there were some pretty good ones. But, yeah, for sure, they got to get us some of those um, in the future. So, so, Mike, you mentioned you've been to Philly. You've been to Meadowlands just this past week. So... Um, you know, I've started to ask my guests, it feels like, and you should know this as a listener of the show, kind of that handicapping question before we, we get into the recaps and, and uh, talking the future card. Um, so, you know, I'll ask you the same question I asked Ken Warrington last week. Um, so how do you feel about handicapping horses, you know, talking about time-wise, maybe past experience on the track? You know, how do you look at horses that are going from a half-mile track to the mile track, from even a 5H to a 7H, that kind of stuff? How do you, how do you judge horses going from different size tracks? I do think it's difficult to do that. Uh, obviously, I think experience does matter. And I, I do believe that that some horses are better on a half than they are on a five-eighths than they are on a on a seven-eighths. And I think that styles definitely dictate, you know, why those horses are successful on those different configurations. Because if you if you look at those half-mile tracks, they're generally dominated by speed horses. Uh, that You know, those horses that can get around those turns. You know, the 5 eighths tracks, you know, tend to, or, you know, lend themselves to stalkers and closers and things, depending on where it is. And then 7 eighths is a whole nother thing altogether. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult, I think. Personal knowledge of certain horses, I think, helps a lot. And a lot of the times, you know, the horses will reveal themselves, you know, pretty quickly, whether they like the, the surface or not. Things, uh, I just... It's hard to tell when they are making that transition and they've never done it before. Sometimes you can look at qualifiers, things like that. Sometimes you can look at trainers. Do they have success doing things? Uh, but un- until they get on those different tracks, you really have no idea how they're going to go over it. So, Mike, we got to discuss this Woodbine, or this Mohawk Million card at some point. But, you know, I, just hearing your answer, I've kind of thought of two more questions. So I got to throw them out there quickly here. 
So um, how about, especially since you're, you're talking Pennsylvania racing, which you seem to know pretty well, um, so how about a horse coming from, say, Pocono to the Meadows or vice versa? They're both 5 eighths miles track, but the Meadow, or uh, Pocono, of course, has kind of that red clay surface. So what about that type of physical surface switch from there to, say, the Meadows? I think that Pocono is very much more speed favoring. It, it tends to lend itself to faster times, uh, tends to lend itself to horses closer to the pace. And, you know, depending on the class there, I think that some of the upper classes are better there than they are at the Meadows, uh, whereas the Meadows tends to lend itself to horses coming from off the pace. I, I do think that, you know, they ride a lot more claiming races at Pocono. The Meadows is very limited in that respect. Uh, you know, I'm more apt to, you don't, you don't see a ton of Pocono shippers necessarily at the Meadows all the time until they close. A lot of those horses that are out East will stay between Philly and Pocono. You don't see a lot of those horses come to the Meadows all that often, or, or when they do, it's horses maybe claimed and brought over and things like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more, I think that there is a, a definite bias between the two places. Uh, Pocono, definitely more speed favoring Meadows, definitely more from the back. And the final question I'll ask you, Mike, and, and, you know, I guess this question comes from, I kind of remember the Twitter discussion and, you know, maybe we won't, we won't get into this specific instant or really specific, specific drivers, but I know when Let It Ride first came over here and, and, you know, was tearing up the Meadowlands and was kind of a little disappointing at, at Yonkers. It was a little discussion over possibly whether someone like Dexter Dunn is maybe even a better driver on the big track than say the smaller track. So do you have an opinion on, do you think certain drivers, is it worth looking at driver statistics to see how they do on smaller tracks versus bigger tracks? I do think so. Uh, I do. You know, if if you look at a guy, a great example is a, a guy like George Brennan. I mean, he, I think, does better on a half. A, a guy like, you know, George Knapp does better on those 5.8 tracks. I want them on those configurations as opposed to, I think Dexter can drive anywhere. I think he's the absolute top of the, the mountain of, of drivers. So I, I, for him, yes, I think he excels on the bigger tracks, but that's where most of the grand circuit races are. I don't think it's a negative him going to the smaller tracks, but I do think that for some of these guys that are coming to the Meadowlands and things that are definitely dominating those smaller tracks, I do feel like that that is a negative. I, I do feel like that they're up against it when they're against the Dave Millers, the, you know, the, the guys that are, that are doing that, the big track constantly. Um, even Miller can drive on any track. I mean, he kills Delaware, which is a half, but um, you know, the top guys can do it anywhere. Those guys that are second tier guys, I think that they do have a, a niche factor to them, and that needs to be considered depending on the circuit and this and the the configuration. Well, um, not a whole lot for me to add to there, Mike. Uh, some really good insights, and um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this new little segment here, fans are enjoying getting a chance to hear from our experts a little bit on some handicapping type questions. But um, with that, Mike, let's talk about recapping last Saturday's Wood by Mohawk card. This was kind of the last of those three big Saturdays in a row. We had the Mohawk, we had the North America Cup back on September 11th. Then the next Saturday was uh, the Canadian Trotting Classic. And then this week we had the Mohawk Million, which we've talked enough about on the show, kind of that unique race with nine of the slots being sold, one horse being able to um, win an entry into the race by winning the Wellwood. And we'll get to that later on, but those other big races on the card as well. And uh, Mike, we'll start here with race three. It was the Milton Pace final for $240,000. And, you know, my life has been so much easier. You know, the Meadowlands this summer, I tried to beat Lion Sentinel. And now I've picked her three times in a row. She's been a super short price favorite as she should have been, but uh, she just continues to roll on here. <laughs> 
yeah, really no point trying to beat her right now. And and she's being driven confidently. She's racing confidently. And, and you can even see when she, you know, they start to come to her in the stretch, she just drops down a little bit harder and goes. And, and there was just no catching her and, and really hasn't been catching. No one has been catching her for quite a while now. Uh, she's the absolute top of the sport right now. And there's nobody even close. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was by no means a bad field. Um, Lita Rose will be back in the preferred uh, this Friday. In fact, we'll talk about her a little later on on this Friday, October 1st card. Um, P.K. Sneaky, of course, a Breeders' Crown champion from last year. So by no means was it a, a bad field. And, um, I mean, she was 25 cents to the dollar and um, just rolled home and uh, took the Milton pace pretty authoritatively. Not a whole lot left to be said besides that, right? Uh, came home in 27 flat, uh, 149-2, and two, which uh, that's a pretty quick mile for Mohawk. Yeah, I thought uh, Jaya Surreal raced really, really big in that race. And she's she's a little hit and miss, but she's got a ton of talent. And when she's good, she's she's very capable. You know, she was 30 to 1 in that race. She raced more like she was 3 to 1. I mean, she really was – I thought she was one to take out of that one. Yeah, it was a really nice uh, first over effort for her. And, um, of course, splitting them, Gia Surreal finishing third. Rocknificent was second. And uh, the betters got this one right. Uh, Vian Sentinel was – one to five, and then Rocknificent was five to one, and everyone else was thirteen to one or higher. So the the gamblers definitely had that exacta correct. Um, and yeah, Lion Sentinel though takes out the Milton Pace last Saturday. So next we turn to race four. That was the Simcoe on the trot for one hundred fifty seven thousand nine hundred seventy five dollars. And this one we had an upset. Locatelli was just short of three to two. Was seven to five with the breakage. And uh, in a minute, Hanover at thirteen to one for um, I-, I think some connections that are generally pretty good there. Uh, um, obviously, this is not the one that Bob McClure chose to drive, but it was that loop play and determination combination. Yeah, and they're red hot right now, uh, really racing well. And he his barn tends to heat up, especially towards the end of the year, uh, I think. And you know, they're pointing for these stakes. This horse was a bit of a surprise, but it was a typical Mohawk race where you had a horse leave and everyone else kind of sat and you had a lot of sitters in the race. Horses like Publicity, Silster, uh, Locatelli, all horses that want to come from off the pace. You had a couple horses break. It's just, it was one of those races where the, the horse got the front and just, you know, that horse was playing around on the front. She was flipping her ears around and they were they were not touching her. Yeah, Macho Martini ended up last after the break at the start. That was the one that Bob McClure ended up driving. Um, both both the Blaze horses in here were kind of longer shots on the board. A uh, thirteen to one on the winner in a minute in Hanover, but then nine to one on Macho Martini. But um, I think we can talk a little bit about that publicity seeker. A very nice second place effort. Um, sat sixth, um, which was basically last besides the breaker at the opening quarter, and was ten and three quarters lengths back. Was still nine and three quarters back at the half, and closed well to finish second, beaten by three and a quarter. Um, obviously they weren't getting to the in in Hanover, but um, and obviously you know he was pretty well geared down towards the end there. But publicity seeker did have the fastest last quarter in twenty seven and four. Yeah, that horse raced well, and, and typically does make late rallies. Uh, and, and you know Locatelli was a total bust in the race. Really never took a forward step. Uh, and and I, I personally thought that that was. The horse was over in the race coming out of some of those other races. I thought that was a soft uh, division that that uh, he did win. I'm trying to think of what was he? Was that the Canadian trotting? Uh, it was earlier, earlier oh, it was this some, month. Was some elimination because he beat. Um, was it 
was it Dancing in the Dark? He beat some other favorite that made a break right, in that, that race. ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that horse's form was a bit inflated. I actually liked Ritson in the race, who, who raced good enough. That horse is more like a nomers of five type, though, and, and, and a stakes race. I mean, that's how much this race I thought was, you know, maybe not quite stakes caliber. But uh, the winner was certainly good. And the runner up was fine, too. Yeah, admittedly, I like Locatelli. I believe that was my pick, if I recall correctly, last week on the show. But, um, you know, I'm not sure if I saw 7-5. to five. I know on a streak, the scratch was probably going to take a little money. Um, I thought Spy Booth would take money and was 5-2. to two, And also was 5-2 to two on Ritson. And I don't know. I thought there was a little bit more money to go around. But, uh, yeah, Loc- Locatelli does finish fourth in there as your 7-5 to five favorite. So next, Mike, we'll move on to race six, and that was the She's a Great Lady final for two-year-old Phillies, and she remains undefeated, and uh, she is taking some major money now. She was 1-20 to at the Meadowlands, I believe, three starts back, and she was 15 cents on the dollar here. How about Nikki Hill? She just keeps getting better, too. Uh, she was challenged in this race. Uh, I thought Prohibition Legal was really, really good. I mean, she really made her work to the wire in there, and really they were even middle of the stretch uh just that nikki hill was just some kind of talent and her talent pulled her through but the other horse uh, that prohibition legal is very good i think that's the first time that she's ever lost so it it was those two and and everyone else i i don't think joyride hanover really had had room for a lot of the stretch but um there there was no way she was catching the top two and uh you know the, the the winner is certainly something else yeah, not, not a whole lot more to add to this race. Um, I believe you're right. I was going to ask you on Prohibition Legal. I, I think he, uh, she was either 6-for-6 six six or 6-for-7 six coming into this race. If she lost, I believe it's definitely only been once. But um, right. I, I believe you're right. I believe this may have been her first career defeat. And, uh, yeah, she wasn't terribly disgraced in defeat, obviously, to someone who appears to be a super talent like Nikki Hill, who I believe is now a 5-for-5 lifetime, maybe 6-for-6. Six six, but she is definitely still undefeated. Um, and yeah, she did it from post eight to metal engine or post five here, got away fourth, went to the front there. So she's done it from, you know, kind of on the pace, off the pace, leaving off the gate and kind of floating away. So, uh, she does seem to be the real deal here for, uh, Dexter Dunn, Chris Ryder, especially as we talk here around, uh, little Brown jug week. I think they had a pretty decent, uh, horse a couple years ago <laughs> by the name of party girl Hill last year. So, uh, Nikki Hill might yeah, be there next. It's the same people that owned also, that's the same family and the same people. Yeah, I believe Tom Hill is well correct, and um, yeah, the same connections, and uh, yeah, they went uh, 15 for 15 with Party Girl Hill, and so that's a feat in the Breeders' Crown last year, so uh, maybe they'll make up for it this year with Nikki Hill. I wish I owned a, a, a hair on the tail of either one of them. Uh, definitely, I'm there with you. I couldn't complain about that either. <laughs> Uh, so race seven, the Metro pays final $824,000. Uh, unfortunately, announcer Ken Middleton had to call his own horse breaking, unfortunately, past three quarters. But Monty Mickey provided an upset at 15 to one. Um, just a brutal trip for Caviar Camden, the, the lukewarm two to one favorite in there. Yeah, brutal trip for a lot of them in there. Uh, I'm not sure that they'll ever have another 12-horse Metro after this uh, debacle that, that occurred. Uh, you know, just, I don't, the two trailers, and, you know, then you had a couple breakers in the field. You had, you know, the blah, 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 make a, a break in a bad spot and scattered the backfield, and none of those horses had any chance at all. Meanwhile, that set it up for the winner who, 
who found a way to get right off the rail right at the right time and come flying down the stretch to win the race as they were staggering up front home. Uh, just a really uh, very, very tough, tough looking race uh, for $860,000 or $20,000. Yeah, definitely is one um, that I know we can discuss here, but if, if, if listeners really want to get a feel for this race, you really kind of got to watch the replay. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of looking at the chart here as we're discussing this to try to kind of even help jog my memory and be able to talk about this a little bit more. But um, so Bob Loblaw's inter- er, break before three quarters resulted in the eye in the chart line, meaning interference towards three horses um, that were all in the backfield. And, you know, maybe it's not really our place to discuss, but it looks like they lost maybe three lengths or so, each of them based on the charted line. But um, it didn't really look like any of them were going to be a serious threat to the eventual winners. Um, and they were all, they, the three of them were interfered with were 46 to 1, 101 to 1, 122 to 1. But nonetheless, definitely significantly compromised what chance they did have. Um, but Caviar Camden and True Blue Lindy, your, your two first and second choices, were just done in by their trips. They were both parked out past three quarters. True Blue Lindy without cover and Caviar Camden essentially without cover there in the backfield, just kind of uh, just parked on the outside for life there. So um, some brutal, brutal trips for those two. And yeah, that set it up for some chaos down the stretch with Scott Zeron and Monty Mickey coming down late to 27 and 4. And it was really significant if you look at the charted lines of the last quarter, the next fastest. Final quarter was 29 and 1, so 27 and 4 for Monty Mickey was by far the best closing kick. And uh, she was, or he was, four and a half lengths back at the top of the stretch and ended up winning by two and three quarters. So a monster last quarter compared to the rest of this field. Yeah, he was, the, the horse was much the best. And, and uh, GB had this horse too on top, coming out of a couple, you know, numbers of one Sciota lines. Uh, I, I'm, you know, he obviously saw something in those lines for this, the horse to ship up out of those races and come and beat these stakes horses. A lot of these horses were racing in sire stakes and, you know, stakes pretty much all year. And this horse comes in and just crushes, I mean, flies home. I'm not sure how he would have done had he not gotten the room when he did. He, you know, the way he came home, it might not have mattered, but that's certainly, he did benefit from that break and the scattering of the back. Uh, but he was the only one coming home for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's skip over race nine for now. We'll come back to that one. Let, let's go to race 10 and talk first about that Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Division. And coming off the disappointment North America Cup, uh, Bulldog Hanover disappoints again here at four to five um, and ends up finishing second at four to five to the $2.70 third choice powertrain with Desperate Man rounding out the top three, um, and the rest of the horses were 33 to 1 or better, so obviously the betters had this one right. Those top three contenders did finish 1, 2, 3, but maybe not in the order that was expected. Yeah, powertrain has put two big races in a row together, and honestly, I, I sort of discounted his last race because he, he raced on, a, on, on the rail on the night where, you know, that was... You know, when the racetrack early, everything, the first seven or eight races was one on the front end. And, and he got the front and just crushed in quick time. But those were lesser horses. Now he stepped up against a couple of the NA Cup horses and went and crushed again and really never looked a loser in the race. So he's is definitely getting good at the right time. Uh, maybe some of the others are maybe not quite, you know, they were pointing for that North America cup though. So I, I don't know. And, and the next big, big thing will be the super final. So you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, these, these horses have some more dances to dance. Uh, I thought Bulldog Hanover was fine. I mean, he flew down the stretch and he just missed I and mean, he kicked 26 and two there. 
he he was okay. And and another probably you know three or four strides the the race gets interesting, but they weren't catching powertrain. And and he's he's going to be he's going to be good the rest of the year, I think. Yeah, I suppose this would be a little embarrassing to me as a math major. I'm trying to do the quick math here, but uh, they went to the half at 54 and one. The final time was 49 and three. Bulldog Hanover 13 and a half lengths back, ends up losing by three quarters. The last quarter was 26 and two. So that back half had to be 53 range. So maybe, maybe broke 53, but for sure, a really strong back half uh, for Bulldog Hanover. But yeah, just a little bit too far back, left himself a little bit too much work to do there to get to powertrain. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think Bulldog Hanover, you know, the super final, that's going to be 250,000 there. Um, You know, he did disappoint on North America Cup night, but you know, th- this is sort of his, these are, you know, the horses that he's supposed to beat. He's, he's a nice horse. I mean, he's, he's had some tough trips too. You know, this is this, this trip here. I don't, I don't think it was a difficult trip. He just sort of ran out of racetrack. Yeah. And the desperate man, you know, um, those two big wins this year that Ontario Cyrus takes cold division for um, also the same 160,000 and the North America cup. So he uh, surely is getting his wins in the right spots though. Um, you know, I think, He's actually, yeah, I think that's still correct. He's made more money than Bulldog Hanover, um, obviously with much fewer wins this year, but obviously he's getting them, especially with the North America Cup, in the right spots. Yeah, he didn't get his trip there. He he was first up, and I think he wants to be on cover and, and kind of fly by late, and that's when he's best. He's he's good enough to be one, two, three with these, but he needs to get his trip to, to be more effective. So, yeah, he's a nice horse also. So we will flip back to the big one, race nine, the Mohawk Million, that two-year-old open trot for a million dollars. And, well, Mike, we'll just put you right on the spot. And, you know, before we really get into the race, let's just ask the question. The winner, of course, Venerable at 95 cents on the dollar. And we've asked my guests this for each of the past couple shows, as you're aware, so we'll ask you as well. Venerable, now a perfect, I believe, eight for eight. Is she in the discussion for Horse of the Year? Absolutely. She's never lost. And there are many races that she's been completely dominant. This wasn't one of those races, but this was one of the biggest races for a million bucks, you know, against the boys. And she came through again. She got an absolute perfect drive. I mean, just completely ridiculous uh, to win it. But I mean, how do you how do you not judge her off the fact that she's never lost and that she's been so dominant? And and there's you know there's nice horses. This year, but, you know, you look at the Manchegos who has struggled recently, you know, there's no real, I mean, I'd love Charlie May, but he's, you know, he's going to need to probably win a couple races to end up in that discussion for the three-year-olds this year. There's no real dominant horse except for her. So how could she not be considered? Yeah, it's kind of a shame that King of the North had that break there and kind of the mess at the start. So didn't really necessarily get to see his best effort on display, but, um, uh, you know, even from post nine, I, I got to think Venerable may have been the goods there. She just is super, super impressive to me. Um, obviously, we know how great this first crop of Walner has been. And then she is just the highlight, the pinnacle of that cr- first crop here. Um, but Dooley Resolved really got a very nice trip there in the pocket and uh, was coming on late at 24 to one um, and uh, came home two fifths of a second faster than Venerable, but uh, obviously didn't quite get there. Yeah, I've really liked this Dooley Resolved. The every race. I mean, he has a ton of talent. He, he, for once, well, I hate to say for once, but he got an absolute perfect drive in this race. And that has eluded him in a couple of his losses that he probably would have a little bit of a nicer record had he got maybe, you know, been more aggressively driven in a couple other spots. 
he's he's legitimate and you know he's going to be legitimate for a while I, I think that he's got a ton of talent he's very fast he can do he's He's, you know, can be shut off and then, you know, kicked back up in the stretch like he was in this race. He's very good. She she beat a good horse. But if you watch the race, the drive that Miller puts and he takes, you know, the horse Southwind Domino, who's a hundred to one shot and uses the horse as a pick the entire backside and then can go and basically eliminates the entire backfield doing that. I mean, it was just brilliant. There there was, you know, the, the top two were driven perfectly and that's why they finished one, too. Yeah, it was a, a thing of beauty there from David Miller for sure for Nifty Norman there with Venerable um, taking out this year's Mohawk Million. Um, again, unfortunate we didn't really get to see King of the North. Uh, you know, obviously that break, not really a, a full full battle between those two. But uh, yeah, Dooley Resolved really impressed me, that effort. And again, I'll, I'll admit it, you know, I was biased. I, I did bet him that night. But uh, I really thought that stretch drive in that one elimination where he held off Let's Do It S, who just looked like, at least in my opinion, who was going to blow by through the stretch. I mean, that was a really... Really gutsy effort when um, Dooley Resolve dug in and, and won that night. Um, so definitely he seems to be a pretty good two-year-old as well. Yes, so I Mike, really like that horse. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, so, Mike, we'll uh, move on here to the future card now. We'll discuss this coming Friday, October 1st card at Woodbine Mohawk. And for fans listening in that want to get a free program to talk about the races with us, woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs has you covered. And um, so, Mike, uh, we have the early pick five tickets to give out, as always. Talk a couple of featured races before we wrap it all up. And let's just jump right into this early pick five. Uh, same thing as always, 20-cent base wager, $100,000 guaranteed pool. Early pick five, races one, two, three, four, and five. And, you know, Mike, I keep getting sidetracked with asking you questions, but um, I'm not sure why you follow the thoroughbreds. But the news today was that Keeneland is going to offer a $3.00 turf pick three the last three turf races of the day and it's a three dollar minimum wager so do you have an opinion on you know a wager like this which a lot of canadian tracks have these kind of 20 cent pick threes 20 cent pick fives which you know obviously are more playable to the player but you know may not be as big a return versus those three dollar pick threes that are going to require a bigger bankroll but the payout's got to be pretty good on those right oh yeah first of all i love keeneland uh i've been there many 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 times and i do like the higher minimums especially for a, a, you know, a pick three like this, I feel like that all pick three should be a minimum a dollar at every racetrack. That's, that's my opinion because that would make them a lot more playable. I think 20 cent pick threes are ridiculous. I don't necessarily hate it for pick fives just because especially places like Woodbine, they have bigger fields. You can spread a little more. They, they it does drive the handle up. It keeps the smaller guy in, I, I would prefer if they would go higher on the pick fours and definitely on the pick threes. Uh, but a wager like that at Keeneland, I think, is going to catch on, especially with your w- with everybody, but more your your higher end gambling type guys that are willing to take a shot, that are trying to make scores, that are playing bigger tickets, and that higher minimum. It 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 whenever you are right, you're going to get paid, and it forces you to I think narrow down your tickets and and to try to to be correct, you know, with a little less coverage because it's, you can't play everything, you know, whereas you have a 20 cent minimum, you're taking, that's a factor of 15 as far as how much you can play into these pools. So I I do think that the harness racing should do it. I think that it would catch on. You have some Canadian tracks that do have a dollar minimum pick for like century downs has it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind playing there because when you are right, you get paid. 
Yeah, for sure. That, that Keeneland wager, uh, yeah, I also, of course, follow Thoroughbred's a good bit, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, definitely will require a little bit bigger bankroll to wager with, but, uh, you know, big turf fields at Keeneland, for sure, that's got to pay well, and obviously plenty of upsets galore down there at Keeneland, so that, that should be a very interesting wager. Um, and, you know, not not to pick on any particular tracks here, but at least a positive for something like Woodbine Mohawk with, say, a 20-cent pick three or pick fours is at least you are looking at really good full fields, usually of 10, so, you know, at least it... Um, for even a pick three, there are a thousand combinations, right? Ten times ten times ten. Um, versus somewhere like Fraser Downs, who I believe are in the middle of their opening night right now as we speak. Um, I believe that is still a twenty set minimum pick three. And if they have maybe you know five, then six, then five forces to start the the early pick three for sure makes it uh, much fewer combinations to play. But uh, nonetheless, I guess not our call to make. So <laughs> with that, we'll move into this early pick five. Um, and race one is an Ontario Sire Stakes grassroots semifinals for the three-year-old Phillies on the trot for 20,000. Uh, full field of 10 here, as we just mentioned. And we're both going three deep here. We're both using the one and the 10, but you will use the nine and I will use the four as our third horses. So talk about your, your three selections. Yeah, I think the one and 10 are obvious. Uh, the one Midnight Miracle uh, was tracked down by the princess on a sloppy track you know, that horse is in the middle of a four race win streak. Now, uh, this horse has grand circuit lines, you know, it's facing the Donna Soprano, the I'm extra specials of the world, much better than these grassroots horses. You draw inside now and a, a definite use. I, I think that, you know, this horse controls the race, but you know, T-Lish's last two races have been very good in quick times. The post does hurt, you know, Wall, I think, is going to have to blast. So you're going to see probably 110 or 10-1 early in the race because, for one, they're the two best horses, and two, they, they have the most speed. So it's just going to be a matter of, you know, which one of those two, you know, survive. And then you have the nine in the race here, Tipsy and Dixie, who adds Lasix. Uh, you know, this horse was racing earlier in the summertime, was in the Dream of Glory final, and raced just fine in there. Uh, took a little time off. Now you get Lasix, you get Fillion back third time. I, I think, you know, you have seven wins out of 16 starts in this horse's life, and, and this horse has made 108,000. The 10s only made 60,000. So from a class standpoint, she belongs. She gets, you know, some change with that adding to Lasix. I think she's worth a use at a price. So I was one nine ten. Yeah, I'm looking through the one and the ten, obviously kind of two logicals in there. And I misspoke. I said I was using the four. It's actually the five. I'm going to use Great Dane, who, you know, she's had some breaking issues. When she can stay flat, she seems to be competitive. And as you kind of mentioned, it's, it's probably one ten, ten one early on. So the five Great Dane, at least that effort back on August 19th has shown she can float away that early fourth. Came first up that day and ended up winning by a length and a half. So may have to use some similar tactics here if she wants to get the job done. Um, obviously, that was against a much softer field, but, uh, you know, she's she's had some Ontario Sire Stakes lines in there. So if she can stay flat, I think she's in with a chance, so I will include her as well. So 1, 5, and 10 for me here in race 1. So next race 2 on the pace for 15,000. This is 2-year-olds, not winners of a race or 12,000 lifetime. And for you, you are using the 3 and the 6, and I will use 3, 6, 7. So talk a little bit about the 3, Don't Poke the Bear, and the 6, Dunes Beach. Or, sorry, the 6, He's Stalking You, rather. Yeah, so nothing real clever here. Uh, you know, the problem with the race is the six he's stalking you has missed time. So if you look back at this horse's races in July and August, you know, 52 and 3, 53, those those lines beat these horses. But, you know, the horse 
had a tough break on August the 30th. And then they tried to get back in a grassroots around line in September and then the horse was six. So now you're coming into this race back in numbers of one off those two, you know, very concerning things. And you're going to be the favorite anyway, off those back lines. So I'm going to use a backup and that's the three. Don't poke the bear. This horse was bet to even money after being 90 to one in a grassroots race where it kicked 26 and two at the end and was absolutely running over them. But last time just, just kind of was a little flat laid and ended up getting picked off. I feel like that this horse is still learning only six lifetime starts and he's the alternate, I think to the favorite. Yeah, not a whole lot to add to your selections there. I, I use the three and the six as well. And, and just for a little bit of a price possibility, I'm going to throw in the sevens dune beach. Um, Picks up Bob McClure, of course, never a bad thing. Um, comes in from, I believe, Kawartha Downs there, the KD 5H track, uh, back in middle of September. Nominators have won there, which obviously is going to be a softer spot than this. But finished second, being only by a neck. Kicked home with 28-3, and 56-2 on the smaller tracks, though. Um, we'll need to go a little bit quicker here on the fast or bigger track to contend with these. But, um, you know, I think uh, improving second career start. I'll definitely throw them in at a bit of a price to try to spice up this early pick five. So three, six, and seven for me here in race two. So next race three, this is another one on the trot. It's another grassroots semifinal for the three-year-old Phillies, part of the Ontario Sire Stakes, $20,000 purse. And you are just using the five and the six here where um, I'll start with mine here. I go a little deeper. I use the one, four, five, six, and seven. So the five and the six, I think, are kind of two logicals here. I'll let you talk a little about them. But for me, I'll throw in the one PL Olivia at a price. Uh, the post god's been very kind to her. She's now drawn post two uh, twice, post three, and now a rail in her four most recent efforts. Um, she got a win back on August 24th. A nice effort there from post six against Easier. 12 to one that day. Disappointed then at one to 20 in Ontario Sire Stakes Company here at Mohawk back on August 30th, but did finish third in there and then put in some okay-ish efforts most recently. Um, I've seen a lot of different drivers as well. Sylvain Filion now picks it up for a second week in a row, so I throw her in as a bit of a price, as well as the four, Stonebridge Strong. This is 8-1 to one on the morning line. I felt it's had some very nice last quarters, just has been too far back because she's had post-7, post-8, and post-6 in the three most recent so hopefully with the better post draw tonight, maybe she can be a little bit closer earlier on. And the seven rubies are nice. Comes off of a third place finish here in Ontario Sire Stakes and uh, finished second in a race for Ontario um, grassroots starters back on September the 14th. Um, even money in the one effort, one to two in the other. So did disappoint twice in a row in a, as a favorite. But uh, she has at the board an eight of 12 starts this year. Has two wins, so wouldn't be surprised to possibly see her pick up her third win here um, tonight. So for me, I'm going deep. I'm using the one, four, five, six, and seven. Um, but you were just using the five and the six, Mike. Yeah. So if you, if you look at this race, a, a lot of the, the other horses in the race are fairly inconsistent, uh, but the five and the six are not the, the five has won four out of five races. And this horse did overcome after being off three weeks, really had no business winning that September 21st race, but just kept coming and, and ground down t in a 54 and three mile I mean, there's there's very few 54 and three miles on this page, and that was on a sloppy racetrack, and this horse really was against it and still found a way to win. So now, you, you know, you get a much better, uh, you know, as far as time between races, this horse is ready to go, I think, in this, you know, grassroots semifinal and should set it up for the final. And then the six-eyed princess has won four straight. 
And, you know, you know, we talked about Midnight Miracle in the first race. Well, this horse came and tracked that one down despite that horse being on the front end and by itself. So uh, both these horses overcame adversity the last time. I just feel like that they're better than these horses. They're consistent. And I think it's got to be one or the other. So race three, that is the one where I go deep. For you, it's race four, Ontario Sire Stakes, grassroots semifinal for three-year-old fillies. This one on the pace for 20000 and um, you used four in here. I did. I think it's a tough race, only because Voluptuous is a bit every other. Uh, she's very good, and if you look at her wins, when she does win, she's pretty dominant. She gets... You know, to the front, and usually is drawing at the way right at the wire. She always brings that kick, right? Twenty-seven and two, last two starts, always sub twenty-eight, always really close with McNair. But it seems like every other race, maybe she's not quite as good. She comes off a win last time, so I'm going to spread out and use a few others in the race. Uh, we use uh, the two Shiatsu Sealster. Uh, this is a Maneri horse that. You know, had a tough post and really no chance. Still kicked twenty six and four versus Voluptuous, and, and again the the race two back horses that were near the front dominated the race. Well, you could get a little bit of a setup now, and I think that that brings this horse into play. Uh, the three a better game is another closer. Had missed time coming off a, a six scratch for McIntosh. Kicked twenty seven last time coming off the bench. Now that and this horse has gold lines earlier in the year. So I think if they do go fast early, this horse has a chance to, you know, to pick them up late at a very big price. And then the nine Cyclone Sealster comes out of a 51 and four dead heat win while favored at the grassroots level on September 17th. And Gallucci's barn has been phenomenal all year. This horse has speed, could end up in the pocket with J-Mac. Another one that plays, especially if Voluptuous is not quite as good. So I was one, two, three and nine there. Yeah, I'm pretty similar to you. I use the one, five, and nine. Um, I'm with you on the one and the nine, especially Voluptuous. You know, um, she has. She's, she's been very good this year. I mean, she has six wins from 11 starts, but there have been some clunkers in there. And in particular, I think two back was really disappointing. She was three to five. Uh, she got to three quarters and 125 and four. She got to three quarters last time out in 50 of 24 and four. But those were two very different stretch drives for her. In one, she drew clear to win, obviously, last time out. And in the other, she got caught and ended up finishing third, beaten by two lengths. So a little inconsistent. So definitely would not, in my opinion, want to have a single to her. Um, the nine Cyclone Sister right finished first in that dead heat. So that's why I used the five, that other horse that was in that dead heat in that Ontario Sire Stakes. And that's Salzburg Olympia. Had post eight that night, got away towards the back of the field, got up late with a really good back half to um, be in that dead heat. Kicked home in 26 and 2, 51 and 4 the final time, went off at 13 to 1. Uh, did have a driver that night by the name of Dexter Dunn, who I think may be a little good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure he's driving tonight. <laughs> But does pick up Brett McDonald, who has had experience with this filly in the past, and she has won five times this year. Brett McDonald's been in the bike for some of those, um, so definitely do not discount their chances here just because she loses Dexter Dunn. So it's one, five, and nine for me here in race four. As we move on to race five, the payoff leg, Ontario Sire Stakes, grassroots semifinals, the three-year-old fillies, this one back on the pace for 20,000. And Mike, I'll kick us off here. We're... You know, we've been pretty similar most of the way here, but we are going to differ vastly here in the last race. And for me, I've actually got a single, and it's a horse you don't use. I go with the four, Sweet Pink. I thought that was a nice effort last time from post nine. 
gets away on top, ends up uh, having to settle for the pocket, and then comes back on with another move late in the mile, ends up winning by a length, came home in 26-4, and four, a final time of 52-4 and four at 6-1 to one to pick up her fourth win of the season. And I think she can keep it going here tonight for me to keep the cost down. I'm already a $27 ticket coming into this last leg, so I got a single somewhere. So this will be my single. Um, but Mike, we'll, we'll put you on the spot here of A, why you are choosing to go against her, and instead you use the two and the five. So she was she was good that night. I, I will agree, but you know she was kind of in the right spot there when Voluptuous did give it up, kind of like she does every other race. I think she benefited from that. So uh, you know this is a different spot. You, you get um, the, the horse does draw better, but another one that's very inconsistent. She's capable, but I, I'm not sure if she's quite as good as the the horses that I pick. So I, like you said, have to keep the ticket down a little bit. Uh, I, I debated on, you know, who to go with here. I just wanted a stranger, and I feel like the five is a stranger in the race. This got sexy scars. The horse was bet last time, first time when you get Moreau coming to Woodbine, coming out of that three R stakes win, and just didn't get the right trip in the race. Never got to the front. Ended up kicking twenty seven late to finish fifth. Got a check, but more importantly, three to one in the race. So the horse took money. Now, you know, I think is going to be slightly ignored off that line is going to be, you know, probably closer to the front, maybe end up in the sweet pink pocket now, because those are the two with the speed in the race. Uh, The two is a massive closer. So it's going to be them. I would imagine that the four is going to have to tow the train and the five gets the trip. So that was my point to use the five instead of the four. And then the two game of shadows is extremely obvious, uh, but she never wins. Uh, She's three for 29 lifetime. Uh, was one to nine in a grassroots spot on September 17th and and Wa basically never moved ended up fourth in that race then steps into a numbers of 9,000 life against older better horses and flies home in 27 and two to just miss so which game of shadow shows up her best wins the race uh but uh, again when does that come three times in 29 starts well, Mike, as I say with all my guests, uh, you make a compelling case for horses I don't use, so maybe I'll have to take a little deeper look at my own ticket before I play it on Friday night. But as it stands now, I will stand by my single of the four sweet pink and wish us the best of luck, as obviously we'll not both be able to catch tickets with that difference of opinion in the last leg. Um, so for you, Mike, to recap, it's one nine ten with three six with five six with one two three nine with two five. That's a nineteen dollar and twenty cent play for a twenty cent base wager. And for me, it's one five ten with three six seven with one four five six and seven with one five nine with the single to the four for a twenty seven dollar play. So next, Mike, before we wrap it up, we'll talk some of these featured races. In particular, we got a couple other semifinals to discuss. But uh, first things first, race six, very next race on the program. It's the Philly and Mares preferred on the pace for thirty two thousand. For me, the top selection here is the six, so much more, coming out of all those big races. Um, had a couple of wins at some preferred events up here at Mohawk before trying the Roses Are Red and that Milton series. So it has been facing some really tough horses, in particular has lost to Lions Sentinel and Rocknificent a couple of times in there. But uh, the five-liter Rose, I thought, is also one that um, is coming out of similar. Obviously wasn't quite as good in this preferred level or in the stakes events as so much more, but she also has some big class there going in that Milton series and the roses are red as well. But for me, it's the top selection to the six so much more. How do you see this race, Mike? 
I agree with so much more. Not only has she been in tougher, but she's been drawn absolutely brutally in those races. And she was in the 10 hole and the roses are red. She got stuck on the rail and that Milton uh, elimination, but still raced extremely well and then caught the nine hole in the final. I mean, really no chance in any of those races. And she was vicious back in August and those preferred, you know, a lot of times first up and just crushing and fast times. I really like her a lot. Uh, my other horse would be Kendall Sealster. She is back to herself and just missed last time to watch me now who was favored in there was supposed to win shipping in and dropping into that race. Uh, she's back to herself and she's can go with anything at this racetrack when she's good. So I was one or six, one there. So six, five for me, six, one or six, five for me, six, one for you as we move on to race seven. So more back to these uh, semifinals. This is Ontario Sire State Scratchers semifinals, three-year-old Colts and Geldings on the trot for 20,000 in race Seven, and we have a good full field of 10 here for me. Uh, seems to be a little formful tonight for me, but we'll take the two, Sweet Soul David, your 5-2 to two morning line favorite. Um, you know, some bad draws in most recent efforts, had post-8, post-9, and the two most recent. Um, has found the front through the opening quarter in every race in the program, so I think it's pretty clear what the plan will be for him, but um, it's been successful for him. Only two wins last year as a two-year-old, but five for nine so far this year for Sweet Soul David. He'll look to make it. Six for 10 on Friday night. Yeah, he looks tough, uh, but I will say that he did have a perfect trip last time and he got a very soft middle half in that race. And, you know, Harry was flying down to nearly catch him, kicking 27 and one. This horse has really never been better than he has been his last two starts. So he is outposted again. He's going to be off of it again. He's going to be lower odds than we probably want again, but I think that he's the main danger. Uh, for a price, look at the eight, Rosie's War Bonds. Has some back lines, and you get a really big driver switch. You get Ed, Ed Hensley. He's been known to bring a bomb or two in here and there, especially from off the pace. So, Mike, it seems like whenever I take a guess at this, I'm always wrong. So I'll defer to you instead. So, Harry, um, so I said I was taking the morning line favorite, and I am at five to two. Harry is three to one, but in that most recent effort where Sweet Soul David's the three quarters length winner. Sweet Soul David is five to two. Harry is six to five. What do you think the numbers look like this Friday? I think it'll be reversed. I think that Sweet Soul David getting that post switch, showing that speed, showing that win versus him last time, th- this horse will be favored. I would imagine he'll be probably close to even money. Harry stuck in the nine hole now, even though he raced well, and I think he'll take money. He's probably five to two ish in the race. I mean, it, it looks those two look very tough versus a lot of these. Some of them are laid up. Some of them really just, you know, can't keep up with those two horses. So I would expect that they'll be close again, but the two will be favored. Well, I would have to agree with you, but like I said, I'm never good at predicting that. So we'll just have to see what happens by post time on Friday night. Um, as we move back to race nine, this one on the pace for those three-year-old Colton Geldings, Ontario Sire Stakes, grassroots semifinals, purse of 20000 For me, I'm going to try the seven, no plan intended off of a win last time out, 52 flat, 26 and three last quarter for Ontario Sire Stakes grassroots starters. Was six to five that day, and he's just kind of been a win machine this year. Six wins from 13 starts, um, but I certainly respect the favorite, the five, Jimmy Connor B. This one has all sorts of back class. The North America Cup, um, the Sun Beach Somewhere, Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Divisions. Um, ended up a winner in Ontario Sire Stakes event back on August 20th. Finished his fourth, beating by two lengths in that gold event to Bulldog Hanover. Um, third, only beaten by four lengths of Bulldog Hanover at Sun Beach somewhere. 
Um, obviously had a bit of a tough trip and was, you know, a big long shot in North America cup, but nonetheless, that's, um, a form line that he has that no one else in this field has. But for me, I will take a chance with the seven over the five. Agree. I put the seven on top. If you look back, uh, these two faced each other in a similar spot on August the 20th and Jimmy Connor B did win that race, but you know, the, the seven wasn't disgraced. I, I would think that, you know, Jimmy Connor B you know, was primed for that North America cup. Now he's missed a little time since this is a semifinal type race. I don't expect, you know, a hundred percent effort in, in this race. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my opinion. Whereas, you know, the seven race last week, one last week is going to be close to the pace. Uh, I feel like he gets the jump and I feel like he wins the race. So I was seven, five. Yeah, that race on August 20th, you know, it's worth noting that Jimmy Connerby does outdraw No Plan Intended again, but it was a much more significant difference back in that race. Post nine for No Plan Intended, post two for Jimmy Connerby, who just kind of floated away, took over past the half, and just kind of rolled on from there. No Plan Intended just following him right around um, to finish second. So might be a little bit different story this time with post five and post seven in play, but we shall have to see. So race 10 on the trot, we're... Continuing on here, Ontario Sire Stakes Grassroots Semifinals, three-year-old Colts and Geldings for $20,000. And for me here, I'm using the two, The Prince, who is 5 for 11 this year, four second-place finishes, so that's nine finishes in the top two. And that includes five of the past six in the form line. He has taken all sorts of money um, in his recent efforts, was 1-9 to nine back on August 24th, has been 3-5 to five before, has been the favorite most recently at 2-1, to one. And through most of those, has gotten the job done. He's been good. Uh, you know, he's he can do it any way too. He uh, earlier this year he was always on the front. Uh, if you look back, that race he was one to nine. There was really nothing in that race. But uh, since recently, more he's been setting up trips and coming second over and still winning. But if you want to watch a, a really interesting replay, watch that September thirteenth race when the one four wheeling came at, like. A streak of light through the stretch to beat him. Uh, that's who would be my top pick in the race. I feel like that you know the prince. He he seems to need to be setting up trips now. He's going to be the favorite again. You're looking at even money and four wheeling definitely needs a trip, but he can come and get him late. Uh, definitely, if you see that replay, you'll you'll see what I mean. He's definitely worth the difference in odds, and I'll, I'll try the one and the tenth. Yeah, I'm always glad when my guests point out things that maybe I overlooked a bit. And uh, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, case here. So five for eight for four wheeling last year, three for nine this year. So definitely has gotten to the winner's circle quite a bit. And two starts back, that race you mentioned was the first time James McDonald was in the bike. Finished a pretty nice third place effort um, last time out in that Ontario Sire Stakes. So those two do seem to get along pretty well. And yeah, that's, that's why the line there was seventh by five lengths at the top of the stretch and ends up winning by a length over the Prince back on September the 13th. So some very good information there to take a look at. And uh, again, a good draw here from the rail should be able to get away pretty nicely. So the final one for us to cover, Mike, race 12. It is the final race in the program. It's 12 races on the card on Friday night. And this is the Ontario Sire Stakes Scratcher semifinals. Three-row Colts and Geldings back on the pace, $20,000. And uh, yeah, I've been pretty formful through a lot of these selections. But the three, Stonebridge Racks, 5-2, to two, morning line favorite. Uh, for me, it just seems to be the one to beat. Uh, eight for 11 in the money this year. Two wins, so it doesn't win a whole, whole lot. But uh, both of those wins have come in Ontario Sire Stakes Company. Two starts back and four starts back. So has won two of the past four. Both of those were as the favorite. So at least in the form lines, he's two for two as the favorite so far. And uh, he'll like 
look to make it three for three, as I presume he may be the favorite here. But the eight Mustang Beach, a very nice 26 and two kicker last time out, and also had a 26 and two kicker four starts back and a 26 and one kicker three starts back. Yeah, Mustang Beach is getting good. I, I'm going to go a little bit of a different way. I'm going to try the seven armor Sealster. And if you look at, at his lines recently, he's got powertrain. Uh, Buckabad Hanover and his last two starts. Um, neither one of those horses are anywhere close to, you know, the horses that he's going to see in this race. And this horse kicks every week, 27 and three, 27 and two, 27 and two. Very consistent with that kick. Enough that they're trying him in, you know, these upper level races and he's getting checks in those races. So now you're going back to grassroots. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of a setup, I think. Stonebridge Rex is probably even money in the race and is going to be on the front. But you have some of these other horses that I think have a chance, especially dropping in class. Uh, you know, Mustang Beach is okay. He had every chance last time, though, and really couldn't get by the top two. So, you know, he, he needs a trip, I think, and he's going to be lower odds than he should be. So I'll try the seven armor seals through there. So that is a lot of Ontario Sire Stakes grassroots semifinals we've had a chance to talk here on the Friday evening card. Uh, Mike, I think we're just about out of time here, but we got through the program. Um, and uh, well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining here on the program this evening. No problem. Anytime you want to have me on, I'll be there. I uh, will definitely take you up on that as we'll be looking for some repeat guests in the future here. Hey, you know what? Second time appearance is a good angle here um, because uh, Robert Reed Jr., his first effort, we both got knocked out of the pick fives in race one, and then he came back to give out a $1,400 winning pick five the second time. So that's a good angle um, coming back on the show for a second time. Um, but, Mike, if the listeners would like to continue the conversation with either you or I, I can be found on Twitter at Edison underscore 1999 underscore. And for you, it is at Nahu Mike P, but I'll have to check that carefully. There's two E's in there, so it's N-A-H-U-M-I-K-E-E-P. And again, as always, free programs we found online, woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. Um, again, we have 12 races this coming Friday, October the 1st, 2021, the program we just discussed now. And coming out later today, we will have another episode on the Saturday evening program, and that will discuss the races for Saturday, October 2nd, 2021. Happy to be joined Later on the next episode by Joe Rickey, the track announcer down at Ocean Downs, former track announcer at Saratoga. We'll have to talk about some of his past history, including calling the 1988 Breeders' Crown, calling Mac Lobel. We got all sorts of stuff to talk about with Joe Rickey, but stay tuned for that episode later on. But until then, we'll talk to you next time.